This is an FOU Studios podcast. The Chris Hahn Show. America and welcome. This is the Chris Hahn Show. I'm your host, Chris Hahn. The truth is on the air. And truthfully, tonight, America, I am live and I am taking your calls at 631 451 1039. If you want to be part of the national conversation, pick up the phone and give me a call. 631 451 1039. Guys, I got to start with the president is a maniac. And why? And by the way, Trump fans, give me a call, 631-451-1039. We got to talk for a minute, okay? Because over the weekend, the president unleashed a Twitter storm, 70-some-odd tweets, most of them incoherent, including tweeting at Saturday Night Live when they were a rerun, told my daughter, tonight's not the night to try to make it to, you know, uh, one o'clock in the morning on Saturday Night Live. It's a rerun. It's not worth it. We got to do it when it's live. But the one that that really caught my attention and I think has caught the attention of the entire country right now is the tweets he gave basically assaulting the character of John McCain, a man who's been dead for a year, a man who is a national treasure, a war hero, a guy, look, politically, I didn't always see eye to eye with John McCain, but I always respected John McCain and I always believed John McCain was doing what he thought was best for the country. But that, put that aside, The man is dead. He has been dead for a year. He was a war hero. He served his country in Vietnam. His personal Vietnam, Mr. President, was Vietnam. It wasn't Studio 54 in the 70s and early 80s, as you said yours was. Now, I don't understand how every elected official in America on any side of the political spectrum is not calling this man out. Not calling him out for who he is, somebody who is a narcissistic maniac, who is insulting the legacy of a dead man, mostly because he envies that man. Because John McCain is something President Trump never will be. John McCain is a war hero, and he is respected by people who even, even people who do not disagree with him. Respected. Loved. Admired. So when I see Lindsey Graham, and I think I've got to spend a lot of time here talking about Lindsey Graham, a man who traveled the world with John McCain, who was John McCain's probably best friend, not condemning the president for his remarks about his best friend, not condemning the president's remarks, besmirching the legacy of John McCain. And we see Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell and the other sheeps in the Senate bang at this president. I got to tell you, this is a new low for me. I mean, and and there's been, look, I, I get it. There's been new lows every couple of days by uh, Republicans just, you know, turning their back on everything they've ever stood for because Donald Trump says it's okay. And they're afraid of being primary. How about 
the deficit. Remember that? Remember when that was important to them? Uh, they don't care about the deficit anymore uh, because Donald Trump doesn't care about the deficit. So why should they care about the deficit? Donald Trump's uh, base doesn't care about the deficit. So why should they care about the deficit? I, I got to tell you right now, America, I got to tell you right now, these people have sunk to a new low. And when the chapter of history is written about Donald Trump, there's going to be a special place in it for Lindsey Graham, who is a disgrace. John McCain was his best friend. The president of the United States is besmirching the legacy of John McCain. And by the way, far from apologizing or backtracking, the president of the United States doubled down on his besmirchment. I don't even know if that's a word. His besmirchment of John McCain. He doubled down on it when he was asked today. He said, I was never a fan of John McCain. You know that nobody ever thanked me for all the help I gave at his funeral. Guys, if Obama did it, every conservative pundit in America would be driving stakes in the ground outside the Oval Office saying, bring them out. They would be saying, they would be calling their member of Congress saying, get them out of office. Every single one of them. And there would be, by the way, a line around the block for Democrats to criticize it. Like they would be criticizing it like it would like 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 he was Donald Trump, frankly. Nothing would nothing would hold any Democrat back from criticizing it. Everybody running for president right now would be criticizing it. But Republicans are just like, meh, 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 meh. They're a bunch of sheep. And they are afraid of being primaried. They are afraid of being primaried. They don't want to stand up for anything. And I keep asking this question week after week on this show and on television. If you're not going to stand up for what you believe in, what are you doing in office? If you're not going to say, this is a bridge too far, Mr. President, what are you doing in office? I mean, they couldn't stand up to him with the national emergency when they know that it is the power of Congress to determine where money is spent. They just say, I want to get back to the Senate. That's what they say. John McCain has been dead for a year and the president of the United States decided to go on a Twitter tirade and bash John McCain. What could he have been thinking? What could have been going through his mind? It kind of reminds me of like Nixon looking at the Kennedy picture. Something must have caught his attention about John McCain over the weekend. And he started thinking about how people love John McCain and they don't love him. Even the people who support him don't love him. They don't watch. They don't, they don't, uh, they don't respect him. They don't love him. But they love John McCain. Maybe not everybody who supports Donald Trump loves Don McCain. Clearly, John McCain. But nobody loves Donald Trump the way people love Don, John McCain, even his own kids. Anyway, 631-451-1039 is my number if you want to be part of the national conversation. I am live, and I am taking your calls. 631-451-1039. I got Bill Spadia. He's the morning guy on Jersey 101.5. He'll be joining me in a little while. He's also the host of Chasing the News on uh, Channel 9 at 11 o'clock weeknights. Uh, Bill Spadia will be joining me in a little while. Good conservative guy, friend of mine. We go back a long way. Uh, Bill's a great guy. He'll be here later. I will be on the Ingram Angle tonight at uh, 1040 
right after this show. So stick around. At 1040, I'll be on the Ingram Angle Fox News tonight. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039 if you want to be part of the national conversation. It's just a question to me. I, I just, I don't, I don't understand I don't understand how they're not lining up to to attack this guy. I don't understand how they're letting that go. I don't understand how they put up with this. The man is besearching the memory of a dead U.S. senator who people loved, who served his country in war admirably, who spent five years in a tiger cage in Vietnam, and he could have come home early, but he didn't. Anyway, I'm going to go to the phone. 631-451-1039. I'm going to go to Terry from Patchog. Terry, how you doing? Hi, I just got in my car, put on the radio, and I heard you doing a uh, sheep invitation. Matt, you like it? Um, it's pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah, very cute. <laughs> What's um, on you? I'm talking about how the Republicans in the Senate, particularly, are basically Donald Trump's sheep, and uh, they're not willing to stand up to him in the face of his attacks on John McCain. I mean, it's crazy. Well, from what I've been hearing here and there about John McCain is that he was part of some dossier against Trump or something. Hey, look, Donald Trump is saying that, that John McCain leaked the dossier to the media, which there's absolutely no proof of that happening. The dossier was created by political opponents. And by the way, it started with Republicans who were running against him. Republicans ordered the dossier, and then Hillary Clinton's team bought the dossier once she became the nominee. And whoever the Republican that started the dossier on Trump didn't get to the, obviously didn't get to the nomination, uh, that company said, hey, we got this dirt on Trump. Who wants it? Okay. I'm just hearing bits and pieces of things. You well, know, I don't know. Well, listen but, to the show and you'll learn some more, Terry. Thanks for calling me. Okay. Take talk care, talk to you soon. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. If you want to be part of the national conversation, pick up the phone and give me a call. 631-451-1039. Sorry, Facebook fans. I don't have any like ability to to have you hear the calls, but uh, the podcast will be up tomorrow uh, on FOU Studios podcast. You can check out the full show, commercial free, and you'll hear everything. The show, you'll hear the music that you see me tapping to when I start the show. But uh, 631-451-1039 is my number. I'm live. I'm taking your calls. I'll be on Fox tonight at 1050. I don't know. I probably got to shave. I don't know, Mike. Mike doesn't shave. Uh, who am I? I'm asking you about shaving. <laughs> I'm asking, I'm this asking is, you. This is, this is this Mike. I'm gonna kill. Yeah, you. Mike, man. It's, this is my brand, though. You know, so uh, it's, it's your brand. It's, yeah, but so. he's gonna shave it for a good cause. Saint Baldrick. Saint Baldrick. He's uh, doing it. They're doing a special Saint Baldrick's just for Mike. Just for, I'm holding my own event, so it's, uh, I don't know the exact date. It's gonna be uh, in April, early April. The first, I think the first weekend in April. We'll plug it. I mean, I do shave Saint Baldrick's too, but I'm already bald. Exactly. And nobody cares. <laughs> so six three one four five one one zero three nine is my number. Six three one four. 511039 if you want to be part of the national conversation. This is the thing. I, I think that there got to be lines, right? I, it just appears to me that there is no line that this president can cross that Republicans won't follow. There is no line. I mean, these are guys, you know, John McCain was their colleague in the Senate. Martha McSally, who represents the represents the seat, has John McCain's seat in from Arizona. Will not call the president out by name. Martha McSally, who's you know, as Republicans go, pretty reasonable, pretty reasonable person with a pretty good record in the military herself. 
And she sits in his seat. And while she did condemn the statement, she did not mention the president by name. It's just cowardice. Mitch McConnell, you know, you're, you're the majority leader of the United States. And I get it. You're up for re-election this year. But, you know, at some point, you've got to have some, you know, moral fiber in your body that says that's wrong and it should be called out. Maybe I lose my election because of it. Maybe I get primary by some maniac. What kind of person is not going to vote for you for calling that out? Why are you so afraid? Why are you even in the Senate if you won't do your job? Stand up to the president. Be in it. You got to be a check on the president and a balance on the president. You know, all this talk this week, you know, we've been talking all week. I've been on TV a bunch of times this week. I don't know if you've seen me talking about the Electoral College. Oh, now Republicans are all for the Electoral College. The best thing that ever happened to them, right? Because they've gotten two presidents out of it that they wouldn't have otherwise gotten, Bush and Trump. Trump used to say he wasn't for the Electoral College. He used to say it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a rigged game. It's a rigged game. And he would point to the Electoral College. Then he won the Electoral College. Now he thinks it's brilliant. Now he thinks it's the greatest thing ever invented. You know, the purpose of the Electoral College was to protect the country from the people. That's why the founders put it there. The founders didn't think that the, the, that the average voter could determine if somebody was fit to be president. Read the Federalist Papers. It's all in there. They wrote it down. They weren't hiding what they were thinking. They wrote it down. Read it. Now the Electoral College is a rubber stamp on what the states do. They're not determining fitness of a president. They're just ratifying what the states do. They're all committed by law from their states. I don't know why we still have an Electoral College if they're not going to be determining the fitness of the candidate, which none of us believe they should be doing anyway at this point in our history. So everybody's like, ooh, how dare you try to change the Electoral College? Well, it's already been changed. And another thing that's been, that hasn't changed in a long time, we haven't increased the number of electors. We haven't, why? Because we haven't increased the number of members of the House of Representatives, which we used to do from time to time in this country. We haven't done it in a hundred years. Our population has tripled in the last hundred years, but the House of Representatives has been a 435 for a hundred years. So basically what happens is your vote's diluted anyway, and you also have these congressmen running in these huge districts. A congressman used to run in a district that was a third the size of what it is now. And now they're running in a district of almost a million people each. It's not, it's not right. So there's a lot that can be done. And there's a lot that can be done to change that. And you also have situations where you have, you know, Senator, you know, and I was on, everybody freaked out. I said, maybe we need to resolve, we, we got to reform the Senate. Well, you used to work in the Senate. Yeah, well, the Senate's not democratic, America. California, Texas, and New York make up one-third of the population of the United States of America. One-third. And they've got six votes. Six percent of the votes in the United States Senate. They should have 33 percent of the votes in the United States Senate. They have six percent of the votes in the United States Senate. And by the way, they only have about 27 percent in the House of Representatives because we haven't increased the number of representatives. And when you're from like a state like Idaho or, 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 uh, or Montana, which has one member of the House, even though you only have 300,000 people, well, that, that guy represents fewer people. It is time for us to really seriously consider 
some changes. And I get it. They all require, look, no one person can make that change. No one person can write with their pen and make that change. It would require an amendment to our United States Constitution. But that's why the founders put it in there. They put in an ability for you to amend the Constitution. They put it in the Constitution. They made it for you to do. But everybody wants to think about what's happening right now. What's happening right now? Well, my team's winning in this thing, so I can't change it now. My team's winning. Well, five years from now, your team might be losing. And if your team's losing in five years, you might want to change the Constitution then, and then, then the other team won't want to change it. Well, maybe we should start thinking about what's best for America. What's best for democracy? How many presidents can get elected without winning the popular vote before the people who voted for the popular vote president start getting upset? Start thinking their vote doesn't matter. They stop participating in the system. Or worse, they try to just turn it over on its head. How much can we take as a country? I mean, if Donald Trump had won the popular vote but lost the Electoral College, what would their position be on the Electoral College right now? By the way, what would, there, what would it be? What would Sean Hannity be saying about the Electoral College on the Sean Hannity show tonight at 9 o'clock? What would he be saying? Where would Rush Limbaugh be on it? It's the most undemocratic thing we've ever seen in our lives. Time to change it. It is, it's, 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 it's hypocrisy. It is one of those things that need to be reformed. If we really truly believe that the people should have a voice in our government, they need to have a voice in our government. We can't dilute their voice. We can't say that if you're from Montana, your voice matters more than New York. We can't say in a political election for president that if you're from Ohio or Wisconsin or Michigan or Pennsylvania, your, your, your vote matters more than if you're from the Texas. Texas is not, it's not a liberal state. They haven't had a Democratic governor since the 1990s. They haven't elected a Democrat statewide in Texas since 1988, I believe. That's a long time. That's 31 years. But they're being diluted as well, America. The voice of the Texans are being eluded, diluted the same as the voice of New Yorkers and Californians and Floridians. It's being diluted by Idaho and Montana Alaska. Think about it. The same amount of votes, Nebraska, they have the same amount of votes in the United States Senate and their electoral college vote is weighted more because they get three votes, two senators and their member of house in the electoral college. It's just, why not sit down and rationally talk about it? And let's have it go into effect in 10 years. Right? This way, whatever's happening right now doesn't matter. Ten years from now, I doubt there'll be a lot of Trump supporters left. One, they're old. And two, they will have read the history books about him and they'll see him for what he is, I hope. A fraud on this country. A scam on this country. I got somebody tweeting at me. Don't forget Wyoming. I know. I know. There are lots of states with no people. And I get it. It keeps them in, you know, I'm not saying get rid of the Senate, reform the Senate. We should have, maybe, maybe you should have as many senators as you have members of the House. So if you have one member of the House, you have one senator. If you have 10 members of the House, you have 10 senators. But we got to make it so that we are more members of the House. House, House, people in the House of Representatives should not be running in districts of almost a million. That is too much. They are too 
uh, too much, too far. They're they're separated from their constituents, and it costs too much to run, and it becomes a, a nonsense race. They can't meet their constituents and really serve their constituents. They should be running in smaller seats. That's what the founders wanted for the House of Representatives, and we have drifted away from that over the last hundred years in this country. I think three hundred thousand is probably the right number for a House seat. Right now, it's about seven hundred thousand, maybe two fifty even. It's about wait, it's closer to eight. After this next sentence, it's going to be closer to eight. And I think we need to reevaluate it. We need to reevaluate what's going on. And we need to come to a solution that's going to be right for America, not what's right for right now if you're on the losing side of it. And we can make it go into effect in 10 years. That's my feeling, okay? All right. 631-451-1039. I'll take your calls on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Chris Hahn Show, and I'll be right back. Don't like what you hear? Grow a pair. Pick up the phone and try to tell him why he's wrong. The Chris Hahn Show. All right. I'm back. I'm live. I am taking your calls at 631-451-1039. If you called in the last segment and didn't get in, give me a call back at 631-451-1039. I didn't want to get into too many calls because I had my facebook feed going and they can't hear the calls and i was kind of on a roll 631-451-1039 is the number i I, look let me tie a bow on this john mccain thing you know it's not just john mccain it's 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 the tariffs it's the emergency declaration it's the deficit all these things that were Republican issues for the last 20 years. You know, you don't ever say anything bad about a war hero. You don't ever say anything bad about a, a, a fellow American when you're on foreign soil. He's broken every one of these Republican rules that they've always called Obama and others out over over the last couple of years. They haven't stood up to him once. Collectively, anyway. I mean, you know, every now and then a brave soul call every brave soul will step up and stand up to the president. But for the most part, they haven't stood up to him once. They have let let him get away with every single slight, every backsliding of Republican dogma. They have just said, ah, it doesn't matter. We don't want to be primaried by his base. We don't want him sending out a mean tweet about us. That might make other people tweet mean things about us. Man, you guys are whiny little curs. You got to grow a pair and protect your turf. 631-451-1039. Let me go to James in Calverton. James, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Oh, yeah. I I just wanted to tell you that you were right about Russian collusion. Uh, I was wrong all about it. You know, I kept disagreeing with you, and I didn't think Donald Trump... Tonight, uh, they said that Comey or whatever his name is, uh, the guy that's doing the Russian thing, uh, Paul Mueller, whoever, who the hell? Robert Mueller. What? Robert Mueller. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, they said that that it was a special news report. They said that he went into Trump Tower in the Donald Trump's uh, refrigerator 
there's a whole bottle of Russian dressing. Oh my God, James, 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 James. That was a really long setup for a horrible punchline. I encourage you to read the book Truth and Comedy and maybe go to Governor's once in a while and see how jokes are told. I mean, if you're going to set up that long, you better have a great delivery at the end, not a Russian dressing joke. James. You correct. You criticize the president. You're talking about him criticizing John McCain. All you've been doing for years is criticizing the president. Yeah, John, the president's not dead, and he is the president, and I will well, criticize him all I want. The president is criticizing a dead war hero. A liar. John McCain wasn't a war. All right, I'm done with him. Don't 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 put him through anymore. He's like an idiot. John McCain wasn't a war hero. He's going to say because James from Calverton was digging through the swamps in Vietnam, and he knows. I I mean I, I'm sorry. I, I have no tolerance for that nonsense. John McCain wasn't a war hero. Oh, and I'm criticizing the president because, you know, nobody criticized Obama when he was president or Clinton. But when a Republican's president, we all must respect and adore the president. Screw you, James. And anybody who says that, I'm an American and I will say whatever I want about anybody who's alive and seeking public service ever. But I'm saying right now, and by the way, you want to criticize John McCain for policy reasons two years ago when he was alive? Go ahead. But the president of the United States tweeting in the middle of the night over a weekend about a dead war hero senator is absolutely 100% bonkers. And if you don't think that that's the case... Go get your head examined. I know a great guy. He happens to be the secretary of HUD. His name is Ben Carson, and he's got gifted hands. Have him look inside that empty head of yours because there's nothing in it. If that's what you think. If you think it's a good idea for the president of the United States to be hate-tweeting a dead war hero a year after he dead, he was dead. And by the way, hate-tweeting a rerun of Saturday Night Live. And threatening, by the way, threatening to investigate Saturday Night Live for making fun of him. They made fun of me. They never made fun of Bill Clinton. One of my favorite sketches of all time on Saturday Night Live is Phil Hartman making fun of Bill Clinton. Jogging and stopping at McDonald's. It is one of, look it up. Phil Hartman is Bill Clinton jogging to McDonald's. And now if that wasn't funny, I don't know what is. And I was a, I worked at the 92 convention when I was a teenager. Okay. I was a huge supporter of Bill Clinton. I mean, I'm going to say right now that my opinion of Bill Clinton over the last five years has evolved, particularly because of the Monica Lewinsky thing. But in 1995, when I saw that sketch on Saturday Night Live, I was a big supporter of Bill Clinton and um, laughed my butt off and still laugh when I see it. It was funny. Guess what? Since the 1970s, Saturday Night Live has made fun of every president, regardless of party. 
They made fun of Jimmy Carter relentlessly. They made fun of Ronald Reagan. They made fun of George W. Bush. They made fun of Bill Clinton. They made fun of Barack Obama. And yes, Mr. President, they're going to make fun of you too. It's called satire. It's what they've been doing for, I don't know, 50 years now, 45 years now. What's the big deal? Just laugh at it like every other president and invite the guy who plays you to the White House. Like every other president. Oh, I can't take it because I'm a whiny little cur. I'm a whiny little cur. I'm a little baby. I can't take it. And then they call, they call progressives and liberals snowflakes. And conservatives think they're tough guys. They're big tough guys. He's a whiny little you-know-what. And it's time for good conservatives to stand up to this man. 631-451-1039 is my number. I got Bill Spadia joining me at the bottom of the hour. Bill Spadia, you know Bill, he's the morning guy on Jersey 101.5 FM. He's also on Chasing the News uh, which is uh, on every night. I think it's at uh, 11 o'clock on Channel 9. He'll clarify that for me when he gets in here. I will be on Fox News tonight at 10.50 on the Ingram Angle. 10.50 tonight. Tune in. Don't miss it. 10.50 tonight. Uh, and I'll be on Tucker Carlson on Friday at 8 o'clock. I was on Tucker last night. I'll be on Friday. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Piero. I talked about that. I'll talk about that a little later. 631-451-1039 is my number if you want to be part of the conversation. 631-451-1039. It's it just, I, I, I just, I'm waiting for somebody to say, yeah, you know what? I've had it with this guy. I'm waiting for a national Republican to stand up to the president of the United States. He's given them a lot of things to stand up to him for. I don't know why they're not. 631-451-1039. I'll go to Mike in Holbrook. Mike, you're on the air. What's up? How you doing? Yeah. Uh, I have a question. Mm-hmm. How, come I can't, how come I can't wear my Trump hat to work or whatever because the left says I can? Or well, look, that's up to your employer, Mike. I don't know why anybody yeah, would no, tell no. you how to dress, but most people have. Most people don't get to wear hats to work. So, yeah, you know. no. So nobody's telling you not to wear your Trump. I mean, it's a dumb looking hat and you probably look like an idiot in it, but that has nothing to do with why you should or shouldn't wear it. I mean, I don't think it's a great fashion statement for a man. How old are you? You sound like you're in your forties. I mean, no, 36. Yeah. You're a grown ass man. You probably shouldn't be wearing hats to work unless you, you know, your job requires you to wear a hat. That's you. I would take it up with your employer. Oh, okay. I don't think the left is stopping you from wearing that hat. I think your employer might say, hey, man, um, we work at a bank and you're a teller and you, you probably shouldn't be wearing a hat. Right? It's not the left. Yeah. I've never said don't wear the hat for any reason other than, you know, fashion sense. But, you know, who cares? You support Trump. Nobody cares, Mike. Nobody cares. Okay. All right. Nobody's okay, trying right. to say you're not allowed to, to, to support Trump. I know that Republicans and conservatives want to feel like they're oppressed, even though they control everything. But you're not oppressed. Wear whatever you want. Wear the Trump hat. Okay. Wear a Trump T-shirt. Dye your skin orange just like the president. Get fake hair like the president. Do whatever you want. 631-451-1039 is my number. That's a guy, Mike from Holbrook, who, who wants to feel oppressed. He wants to feel oppressed. Why don't any of my friends like me anymore now that I support Trump? Well, because they found out you're an idiot. They've learned that you're a dope. I mean, if you support that guy for any reason other than your 401k, you're either a racist or an idiot. Sorry. 
That's the truth. 401k, I'll give you a pass. Stock market's good, but you know, remember, Obama created this economy. And we'll see where he is in two years. 401k, I might give you a pass. And I think the 401k Republicans are kind of wearing off now. They're kind of pushing away from this guy, especially like when he goes out on the tarmac and is about to get on a plane and says, you know what? I'm going to put the tariffs on China because they've got to prove that they're being good actors because they've lied to me in the past. And the stock market crashes for like like three hours. (laughs) People just... (sighs) Yeah, you think he's the guy. You think he's the guy who's made the economy good. You think that. Okay, so like I said, you're either an idiot or a racist. So figure it out. Which one are you? But nobody's telling you you can't support him. Nobody's telling you you can't wear your hat. Your friends are turning your back on you because they don't want to talk about Donald Trump. They want to hear about how Donald Trump's good. He's not good. There's nothing good about him. Nothing at all. Nothing. But I I get it. Like This is like the part of the conservative meme. You're oppressed. You're an oppressed class. Everybody in the liberal media is out to get you. No, they're not. Nobody's out to get you. Nobody's trying to quiet you. Nobody's trying to tell you to take off the hat. Maybe your employer doesn't want you wearing a hat. Maybe when you're 36 years old and you have a job that's not like out in the field where you need to hide your hat, you know, hide your head from the sun, uh, you shouldn't be wearing a hat. Why can't I wear my hat to work? You can't wear your hat to work because your employer doesn't want you wearing hats to work. I'm not telling your employer, you know what? You better stop him from wearing that Trump hat. Because if you wear that Trump hat, then, you know, forget it. I'm not going to go to, um, I don't know, Waffle House or wherever this guy works. No. Nobody's doing this to you. Nobody's trying to stifle your speech. You know, uh, Devin Numbnuts, my favorite congressman, former chair of the House Intelligence Committee with no intelligence. Devin Numbnuts is suing Twitter because people tweeted mean things to him. America, if this suit is successful, I will immediately commence an action against Twitter because there's no way people are meaner to Devin Numbnuts than they are to me on Twitter. I am a progressive that goes on conservative media. So there is no way in hell that his Twitter feed is worse than mine. But he's suing because he's trying to, they're trying to create this meme that everybody's out to get them, that they are oppressed and they need to fight back. Don't believe anything you read in the real media because we're going to lie to you all the time. It is amazing to me how these guys, it's not amazing to me that they do it. It's amazing to me how many people believe it. It's amazing to me, like, the guy that just called me thinks he's oppressed by the left wing when he's not. The president of the United States is a ridiculous conservative, absolutely ridiculous conservative. And, and they're telling you that they're oppressed. 631-451-1039. Let me go to Nick in the Hamptons. Nick, you're on the air. Nick. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I think Trump was doing a great job. Um, he's doing a good job, I think, um, just with the economy and stuff. Is, uh, what's your opinion? I think he has nothing to do with the economy, but I think he hasn't hurt the economy. Uh, he has nothing to do with the economy. What does the president have to do with the economy? 
I mean, it just seems like it's better than... No, well, wasn't it going good when he took office? I mean, we had 4.5% unemployment. Now we have 35 unemployment. Things have gone in the same direction since he's been president, but things haven't gotten better. I don't know if you've done your taxes yet. You're not going to get the money back he told you you were going to get. That's not going to happen for you. So let's see how people feel about him when the tax season's over. It, uh, it didn't work out for most Americans the way he said it would. That's all I could say about that. So get ready to yeah, be surprised. I, I, yeah, I call this the Trump effect. It is the Trump effect. Whatever. 631-451-1039. When you do your taxes this year, you tell me how, how honest he was. You tell me, America, how honest. I mean, you know, unless you're making over $200,000 a year, or 250 a year, um, this tax cut's not going to help you much. In fact, you're probably going to owe, and you're going to be very surprised. Absolutely surprised at how bad it is. And, and the guy, look, his economy, uh, the economy's been going well. The economy was going well the last four years of Obama, and it just continued to go well into this presidency. It's not where you are in the middle, America. It's where you are at the end. And I don't know that this guy has the aptitude to make important decisions when they're needed. So far, he hasn't need to, needed to make those decisions. He hasn't had, you know, the hurdles to get over. I can't remember. Is this the guy that called before, Mike? No, different guy. I always get James and the other guy confused. No, let me go to the phones. I'll go to James and Matterville. 631-451-1039. James, you're on the air. How are you? Um, so I got my taxes done, and um, I think I got a pretty good deal. So I I definitely brought home more of my paycheck throughout the year. How much do you make? And then um, about one sixty five. That's just you, or you and your wife? No, that's just me. And that's what's your wife make? No, she, she makes zero. She, she stays at home. All right. Well, you're one of the lucky ones, James. I don't know what to tell you. I think the average American that makes 50000 a year, not going to be so happy. They thought they were going to get $4,000 extra in their, in, their, in their stocking at tax time, and they didn't. What, did they pay? Of course they paid. Did they of course they paid. Of course they paid their taxes. It's, so. like, it's not what people no. think it was. 631-451-103. James, your connection was bad. I'm sorry. I wasn't hanging up on you. Was, James was actually being a good caller, trying to figure out things. But I, it was kind of breaking up, James. Call back when you're at a better. I think he was saying, uh, did, he, did, did uh, people have to did you owe money? You know, instead of like having to pay. Obviously, everyone pays into their taxes. Yeah. But it's like, did you have to, at the end of the year, did you have to actually pay? I'm hearing from people all over the place that they had to pay for the first time. But I'm also hearing from people who thought they'd get a big tax return and didn't get it. Now, I get it. The president and his tax people changed the withholding rate so that less money was coming out of your check. So you were seeing more of your money in your check. That might have amounted for, you know, if you're, a, if you're making under $100,000 a year, you know, that's a couple bucks a week. You probably didn't notice it. And now you're at refund time, and maybe you were expecting a $4,000 refund, which is what they told you you would get, America. You never got $4,000 through the year, and you're not getting the $4,000 refund. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And it's not his economy. His econ- it's Look, guys, you might like the tax policy. You might not like the tax policy. But what happens 
in the economy has so little to do with tax policy. All these corporations that got these big windfalls, they invested the money in automation. It's going to eventually lead to fewer jobs in America. We're at full employment right now. That's great. I'm happy in that regard. I'm not saying that he has nothing to do with it, but a lot less than you think. And believe me, if the economy goes south, he'll be blaming everybody but himself because that's what he does with everything. He never takes responsibility for anything. And he's the president of the United States. It's never his fault. He's never to blame. It's always somebody else. I mean, that's just despicable. When you're the president of the United States, you should take responsibility. You should be the one to own the problem. He'll take the credit for everything. He took the credit for the economy before he was president. He took credit for the economy before he was president. And now he's going to say, and when, when, trust me, when the economy fails and there's a bump in the road, he'll blame Hillary or Obama or Congress or a state. He will never take responsibility and try to solve the problem. Leaders take responsibility. That man is not a leader. That man is a con artist. He has been conning this country and it's all going to come out. It's all going to be true. We're all going to see it at some point soon. That's why I say, look, let it go 10 years. Any changes we make to our constitution around the electoral college, let it go 10 years and then we'll figure it out. All right. Bill Spady is going to join me on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Chris Hahn show and I'll be right back. Can't ignore the truth forever, so listen up. The Chris Hahn Show. Hey. Yeah. Voice. Yeah. All right, I'm back and I'm live. And I'll be on the Fox News channel in about an hour and 45 minutes. So right after you get off the Chris Hahn Show, make sure you go on TV and watch me there. Uh, I'll also be on Tucker Carlson on Friday, and you could have always followed me on Twitter, at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. Joining me now, though, good friend of the show, good friend of mine personally, he is the morning DJ on Jersey 101.5 and the host of Chasing the News weeknights at 11 p.m. on Channel 9, and then again at 1 a.m. on Channel 5 in New York. He is my good friend, Bill Spadia, at Bill Spadia on Twitter. How you doing, Bill? Hey, Chris, good to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I've been shot out of a cannon all night wondering why <laughs> conservatives across the country are now outraged how the president is hate-tweeting on a dead war hero over the weekend. And well, I, I don't understand. You know, they're not, though. Only a few people who are trying to make headlines out of it are. Most people realize that, let's face it, you go back to the 2008 election and the Democrats were hammering John McCain. This is not a guy that is beyond criticism. I, I got it, but you know what the difference, approach. Bill, there's one huge difference between 2008 What's and that? today. 
Two huge differences. In 2008, he was running for president, and he was alive. <laughs> Fair enough. He was walking the earth, and they weren't besmirching his war record. Right? I mean, the president of the United States well, is besmirching the guy's war record, not his political record. But let's face it, though. Let's face it, Chris. That started a while ago when he made that offhanded remark uh, where the president said that I also like the, uh, the the war heroes who didn't get killed. Yeah, and that was bad that then, right. and nobody called him out on it. But, but this is but they did, though. Not true. They did. They called him out. Well, he wasn't yet the nominee then. But this is just political posturing on every side to try to distract away from the real issues that we're facing. I mean, that's the big problem in politics. We get distracted so easily. It's like a it's like a dog with a squirrel, a squirrel running across the street. All of a sudden, boom! It's easier to talk about tweets than it is to talk about immigration, but like taxes and jobs. But when you have a guy like George Conway, who is Kellyanne Conway's husband, saying the guy's mentally unstable. He kind of seemed, look, don't you think it's unstable for two things? One, he's tweeting about a dead guy over the weekend, and he's tweeting about a rerun of Saturday Night Live. Now, come on. I told my daughter, my daughter is almost, my daughter's at the age where she wants to try to stay up and watch Saturday Night Live with me. So Saturday, she's like, I've got no soccer tomorrow. Let's stay up and watch Saturday Night Live. I'm like, it's a rerun. No, what's the point? The president was up watching Saturday Night Live because he watches it every week, like me. Chris, I don't think it matters that McCain is dead. Alive or dead, there's a legacy that the president is correctly pointing out that there's a possibility that a lot of this fake dossier nonsense, the whole Russia collusion nonsense, which has been going on for years now, uh, could have been either stopped in its tracks or at least not furthered if it weren't for some of the uh, accused or alleged actions of Senator McCain. So I think it is fair game because remember, uh, we're still dealing with the Mueller probe. So if McCain <laughs> had anything to do with it, it's fair Bill, game. Bill, and look, let's Bill, Megan Bill, McCain you and I both know who started the dossier. It wasn't John McCain. It might have been. It might have been Lindsey Graham, who's you know ridiculously quiet. But it was one of the Republican candidates. I think it was Ted Cruz. But it was one of the Republican candidates running against Trump. Now, once they lost their primary, Hillary Clinton got involved with the dossier. So right, and and, and so, spent money and spent money. But the point is, it was politics. And it's still going on. So why? Yeah, and guess what? A lot of it's true. Most of it's true. And the president knows it. That's why he hates it. If it was fake, he'd laugh it off. (laughs) Are you kidding me? This president doesn't laugh anything. He literally attacks it every time you take the shot. I I got it. Blessing and the problem of Twitter. And that's that's the problem with having a a criminal narcissist in the White House. I maybe not criminal is the wrong word, but he's he 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 is a extreme narcissist in the White House who really cares nothing for anybody but himself. Totally disagree with that. And I the evidence I use. Look at the incredible relationship that he has with his family. Oh, stop! Stop! It's a oh wait, you mean ju- you, you ever way to judge a man? You ever it's see? Um, way to judge a man. You ever see the? You, I know you're a fan of Chris Rock, as am I. One, yeah, one of my he's, one of my favorite fun. lines in a Chris Rock special, and I use it all the yeah. time when people say things that they that people do that they should just do anyway. Is I'll take care of my kids. <laughs> yeah, no, you're supposed no, to take care of your kids. Yeah, you're supposed to no, love your family. No, it's not about that. It's about the, it's about the respect back and forth that you've got a very close knit group of the Trump folks, and they are under fire literally more than any president has ever been. 
We've yeah. never seen anything like this on either side. But I mean, did he love? Did he? Did he love? Uh, did he? Lo- you know, did he love Ivanka and 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 Fredo no, and and no, and the I'm other not, one when they were when they were? <laughs> I'm saying you look at this family, and this family is together, and everyone is on the front line. Man, together. I think that is. Remarkable. Yeah, but that's more, like more than I can say for the Bush family. But that's because a lot of a lot of the Bush family, they were all hidden. Are you so kidding me? You're out, you're, you're out of you, Bill. Bill, you are grasping at straws to defend <laughs> this guy. It's like the last straw. Oh, he gave his daughter a job in the White House. Give me a break. Wow. That in and of itself is ridiculous. That, like, if Obama gave Malia a job in the White House, you guys would have lost your mind. Well, like, could you imagine if Chelsea Clinton was in charge of Mitty's peace policy? But remember, remember. But I'm, I'm being consistent because I have always gone back, all the way back to Bill Clinton, and you and I have talked about this before, the politics of personal destruction don't work. And the challenge is that the attacks on Trump are all about personal destruction. It's not about the issues. We are literally experiencing some of the greatest economic numbers that we've ever had in history. Yeah, he has nothing to, to do with America. it. He has everything to do with it. He little. Uh, uh, wait, so I won't say he has nothing to do with it. He has little to do with it. And the economy uh, was going in this that? direction before he became president. Uh, it's not, it's not it's, it's, It would be like crediting George Herbert Walker Bush with the Clinton economy. And I don't hear one Democrat saying that. Um, because Economies right? don't start and stop on a dime. Economies take time to develop. And yes, they can change in two years. They can they can change in two years if you make huge mistakes. But the fourth you know, but he hasn't made huge mistakes in the economy anyway. And he's continued a lot of Obama's good economic policies. But he has rolled back. He has rolled back. So taxes. I just, He's rolled you know, back regulation. You and I both know that economies run in cycles, and we've been in a very long bull market now, probably since 2010. At some point in the next year or two, maybe three, the economy is going to change. And are you then going to say that it was his fault? Because I know he won't say it's his fault. It will depend on what he does. If the Democrats under Nancy Pelosi continue to obstruct all kinds oh, of... Oh, so it will be the Democrats because they control one chamber of the House of Representatives. It will be their fault. Well, look, there's a lot of power. We know that. And listen, let me say this. And people used to say, they said, well, why was Trump unable to get things done when he had both houses of Congress, right? And I said, well, the reason is Donald Trump is not really a Republican. Donald Trump was it, the never Trumpers. You're right about one thing. The never Trumpers really did start among Republicans. Republicans right. went into a, an all out panic. Cause let's face it at the top of both parties, it is all about power and money and influence. And that's why Hillary Clinton shut down Bernie. And it's why Trump, the opposite, was true in the Republican Party. Our Bernie actually won. So the difference. So let's let's say, by the way, I'm talking to Bill Spadia. He is the host of Jersey 101.5's morning show, the number one show in New Jersey, by the way. And he is also the host of Chasing the News on uh, My9NY, weeknights, 11 p.m. It also re-airs on My uh, My Fox NY uh, on uh, Channel 5 in New York at 1 a.m., uh, weekly show, da- daily show. It's on every day. Uh, I don't know how every you do day. it. I don't know how you go from the radio show to the TV show and, and you hang out with a bunch of millennials on the TV show. And it's, I don't know how you do it. I really, I don't, man, I, I get up at three forty five every morning. It's, it, it, it comes at the same time every day. Uh, it's not, uh, 
Three hey, four. Man, there's a three forty five a.m. I had no idea. A.m. A.m. Now you're going on Laura Ingram tonight, so like you're you're running the same crazy. Uh, schedule. I'm having a crazy schedule tonight, but I only have to do five minutes on Laura Ingram. You do an uh, you do a full half hour show, and and you do a three hour radio show. I'm doing two hours on the radio, and then I'm running over to, to Laura Ingram, and I don't do it every day like you do. You're you're crazy. Yeah. You're. you're it's wild. I, I lo- you know what? There's a lot to talk about, but I'll tell you though, Chris. You and I come from different ideological areas, but we can have a conversation. I, and that I'll give you, uh, there's two, there are too few conversations going on right now. Yeah. It's all about and, just picking and fighting and punching and, and looking for weak spots. And that's and why, that's like, you know, I, I've been talking about this electoral college thing and yeah. I make this point. I go, Hey, look, whatever change you make to the electoral college, let's make it go into effect in 10 years. Right. Let, if we had to think 10 years down the road, uh, I assume things are going to change politically in this country. And, and, you know, it won't be anything that's based on what's happening right now, but I think we could all agree that our democratic system is not really encouraging people to be involved in the democracy right now. And one of the things that discourages people is when somebody gets the popular vote, but doesn't win the election. And maybe we should do something about that. And I'm not saying we should get rid of it completely, but we need to reform it because, it, or we need to put more people in the house of representatives. We need to do something to change. I don't know. I think we. Ha- I don't think we have the problem. Look, if, if Trump had lost, you would not hear this narrative because the media is largely run by the. By I, I don't want to say left wing because I my experience in television has been it's more like lazy news. You know, it's just yeah. easier to talk. Right? You know, it's easier to say, hey, you know, let's let's like we're talking about this issue now in Newark, New Jersey, where Ross Baraka, the mayor, who's really done a very good job. But he jumped on this bandwagon of universal income, right? A base, right. base income. And and I, I called it out today. I said, you know, really, he's just make, using a, a fancy term for welfare. And he's qualifying it by income, or at least that's what we initially think he's going to do. He's not really sure how he's going to roll it out. But the point is, it's easier to report on these poor folks that really do need help than to have a really detailed economic discussion about how the heck are you going to pay for that? Yeah. How is, how is that but yeah, it is, news is lazy. It's a conversation. It's it's, lazy. It, it's, com- yes. it's completely lazy, but it, it's also like, you know, look, I mean, it's easy to talk about it rather than have conversations about big issues. And, but there has been a lot of talk about the electoral college and, and other things of that nature, like the Senate. And, and I, I got to think, I think that if, if Trump had won the popular vote, but lost the election, I'm pretty sure people be marching in the streets trying to well, get them elected. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's interesting you say that. I think that Republicans tend to be much more process-oriented, which is why this is not a good look for the Democrats. And I will tell you, it's a failed strategy for 2020. They, they, and, and that's why I think the best foot forward of the Democrats, honestly, is Joe Biden, because he's the only one not talking about issues that really don't impact day-to-day Americans. So you want to scream about whether or not it's Obama's legacy economy. I don't agree, but we can agree to disagree. Yeah. The real issue is how does the manufacturing worker, how does the guy on the pipeline, how does the woman working in the supermarket, how do they feel? And if uh, they look, feel I, I think right now they're going to vote to reelect. I, I think Joe Biden, you know, is a great guy and I've always liked him. And if he's the Democratic nominee, I'll definitely give him a look. I don't endorse candidates. You know that. But I I think it's time for a I think it's time to pass the torch to a new generation of leaders in this country. I am tired of the baby boomers running everything. I don't even think Joe Joe Biden might be older than a baby boomer. I don't know. But I I, I don't know how old he is. I got to tell you, the person who's impressing me the most on the campaign trail is Mayor Pete. The guy's brilliant. 
He's brilliant. I mean, the guy is brilliant. He talks about issues in detail. He uh, The other day, I saw him talking to somebody in Iowa, and then he started talking Norwegian to the guy. And then he was asked later in an interview, how, how, do you, who, how did you learn how to speak Norwegian? Why do you speak Norwegian? And he's like, I read this book when I was in college, and I really liked the book. And it was a Norwegian author. It was trans- translated into English. I wanted to read everything this guy ever wrote. Uh, but it turned out they hadn't translated anything else. So I learned Norwegian so I could read this guy's books. <laughs> That's the kind of brilliance that this guy brings to the table, right? He speaks multiple languages. He's well-versed on every policy. Now, he's not going to win. He's 37 years old. No. He's 37 well, years old. He's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. The chances of him becoming president are probably like 0.1%, like right? 1%, well, right? He, he plays into the identity politics. And no, he doesn't. He doesn't. Well, That's the thing about it. Because he's gay, you know, he what does not maybe, make an issue about his sexuality. Other people no, might, but, but he's I'm, not playing it. That's what, but that's my point. Because he's gay, he play, he fills a slot in a Democratic Party. And unfortunately, because the Democrats have been playing identity politics for so long, it's going to be hard for him to separate. Well, I, I would argue that Republicans play identity politics, but the no, only people they identify is with old white guys. Like, it's the party of old white guys. Like, I would fit in perfectly. I mean, you fit in better than me because you're older and whiter. But it's, it's, but, but it's, 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 you know, it's, their identity is old white. I mean, how long is that going to last? Come on, look at Bernie Sanders. You're, you're, you're one guy that spoke to the opposition and the outside was the old white guy. Well, he's Jewish. And, and, and I know the president's trying to pretend that, uh, that they they love Jews, except for he was thinking about the good people on both sides of a march where one side was saying Jews will not replace us. That's a, that's a total mischaracterization of what happened. You know it. You no, know it's it. exactly you what happened. The president no, said no, there were good people on both sides of that uh, uh, of that riot. No, and what there weren't. Referring to, he was referring to people who believe that we shouldn't tear down historical. Yeah, people that's who believe we should that. keep the racist statues up. They're good people, too. Uh, come on. But, you know, by the way, let me just explain something to you. The wait, Civil wait, War, wait, wait. as I see it, the Civil War, as I see it, was a terrorist action by people in the South rebelling against our country. They were terrorists. They were terrorizing America. They declared war on the United States of America. They were traitors and terrorists, and they should have been treated like ter- traitors and terrorists for years after. The problem in this country all stems for us Ending uh, Reconstruction too early in this country. That's why we had Jim Crow. That's why we had a segregated South, because we, we ended it too soon. We should have treated the South like it deserved, like, a tra- like the traitors they were. That, I think that's, that's over the top. Well, a little bit, but I'm a pundit. Yeah. Well, that is true. That is true, Chris. You, yes, I'm not you running for office. You're a very I'm not running for president. I don't have to go and say, you know, there there were good Look, people in the South that were in the Civil War. I'm nah, sorry. If you on. were in the Civil they, War, you weren't a good person if you were fighting against America. All, you were a bad person. First of all, they were, they were Americans. And second of all, most of them were not slave owners. So that's a, that's They all. denounced their citizenship. Sure. We're going to need three hours at least to have yes. this conversation. Yes. But, but, but I think, again, it's the politics of the soundbite. And back to what I was saying about Mayor Pete, uh, he fits into the identity just like, every, you know, Elizabeth Warren and her Native American sort of history. Uh, you've got uh, Kamala Harris, you know, like everybody's saying, wait, look at me. And the challenge is going to be that the, the real things that voters are going to look at, they're going to say, wait a minute. Are you looking to solve uh, immigration? Are you looking to solve infrastructure funding? Are you looking to keep my taxes down? Do I have a job? That's what I like about Mayor Pete. He's got plans for all that stuff. It's crazy. He's a crazy smart guy. He came out against uh, this 
cash transfer, reparations for slavery, which I thought was pretty interesting. But he's he's too, I think, too intellectual. You he's got guys that overthink things, and it's going to be very hard to be relatable. Yeah, he's, he's relatable. You know, for a guy who's yeah, that God. smart, he's remarkably relatable. I, by the way, I knew nothing yeah. about him until he did that CNN town hall. And I, I, you know, I got a friend who's really big on him. He's like, you got to watch him on the CNN town hall. It was on the same time as the walking dead. And if you know me, I watched the walking dead. Of course you did. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, I'll let my DVR, I'll, I'll watch the first 15 minutes so that my DVR could start running. So I don't have to watch the commercials. Uh, and I watched 15, (laughs) 20 minutes of, uh, of mayor Pete on CNN and I was like, wow, this guy's actually the real deal. I was like, what is this 27, this 37 year old kid running for? You know what? <laughs> you know? He, he would do great in the debating club, but literally he just started. He's, he's going to, if he makes it to the debates, if he's still in the campaign for the debates, watch out. Cause he's going to, he's going to do really well in these debates. And, uh, I, and it, I it, it's interesting to see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, the, the people that are going to flame out first are going to be the, the candidates like Cory Booker. Who, who effectively have nothing to run on. And that's his problem. Again, results at some level matter. The unemployment rate among, um, among black Americans, Hispanic Americans, and women is so good right now, is so low, historic lows, that at the, the end unemployment of rate the among everyone's low right now. Yeah, Thank you, President Obama. Nah, but that's crazy. You can't, if you, if well, you, well, you, you know, President Obama got it from 11% unemployment to 4.5% unemployment. Okay, President Trump got it from 45 to 3.5%. 4.5% is essentially I, full employment I itself. Argue, I would argue that you could give credit to George Bush for that. George Bush the destroyed the economy. Look, Not at all. He destroyed it. Do you realize we ended up with a, with a revenue boom in the federal government based solely on the Bush tax cut? Oh, my God. And this is something Bill! I never want to talk about. Bill, I don't know what Kool-Aid you're drinking. I got 35 <laughs> seconds left with you. I got to plug some stuff for you because you're a good guest. Bill Spady, a good friend of mine. He's completely wrong on everything he said. So, but a great guy. Watch his show, Chasing the News. He doesn't talk a lot of politics on it. It's a fun show. A lot of millennials uh, and Bill for some reason. A lot of millennial reason. stuff, a lot of young stuff. Yes. I, I, that gig, right? doing a, I don't know how you got it. I mean, we have the same agent. He's doing a better job for you. Uh, um, but so All good stuff. I, I tell everybody, just follow me on Twitter. I'm at Bill Spadia. And that, you know, and the conversation goes nonstop, you know, I'm on early in the morning. There's also an app. There's an NJ 1015 app that you can get at uh, the app store. And I've got a podcast, the speaking podcast. You can get it at NJ 1015.com. There you go. Bill Spadia, you're a great guest. You're a great guy. Watch him on chasing the news tonight at 11, right after you see me on Fox at 1045. Bill Spadia, you're great. Thanks for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Stay well. I'll be right back after this break, America. You are listening to The Chris Hahn Show. Keep it where it's at. you heard today and listen up the chris han show is on the air all right i'm back i am live 
Don't forget, you can watch me in about an hour on Fox News. I'll be on with Laura Ingram talking about the 2020 presidential race at about 1040. I got to race out of here, get home. Uh, usually I'll do a hit on Laura when I'm in the studio, in the studio, but they didn't want me on until like 1045. And I, I, I didn't feel like hanging out for 45 minutes. Plus, Mike's probably got his guys coming in tonight. You would be freaking killing me if I did that, right? We don't start till late anyhow, so it's like... It's not you, you, well, you start it. What time do you start taping? We probably start taping around 1030. Yeah, 11. so you wouldn't be able to go till 11. That's fine. You'd be hanging out watching me do Laura Ingram yelling at the, yelling at the cameraman. I want to jump in the background, start waving. Yeah, my, yeah. Put the yeah. Biddleman show, show shirt on there. Mike just back from South from Southwest, South by Southwest. Not selling the Chris Hahn show, selling the Biddleman show. Which and he's doing a great. By the way, Mike slimming down. I, Mike is uh, pretty soon. You're going to be able to shave that beard because you're going to have a chin again. It's going to be nice. Oh, 100. percent Actually, uh, I'm shaving it up for charity. In a I, I weeks. think you're like you're probably down like 40 pounds. 35-ish. Wow, man. What are you doing? Tell the people at Keto-ish, home. Keto-ish, almost. Keto-ish. I drinking beer. That's a big thing. I That's why, that was my thing, too. I gave up all calories from liquids, like, years ago. It's a huge thing. It, oh, it's, it, 100% it is. It's, it's, a big, it's, it's a pound a week. Like, I, drink, I, drink, I drink water now and vodka. That's it. Wow. You lay off the vodka. Hey, Tito's, the, Tito's vodka out there. Hey. Brought us to be national, so let's go. Lay off the vodka. Mike B. Show, this Sunday, 7 o'clock. Whole hour. Whole hour. Whole hour, he's got to start selling my show too. I don't, I don't get it, man. I'm in this business a long time. Mike B's making more money. I, Mike B's in the business longer than me, but I don't know, man. Your, your mic's not working. Your mic's not working. I lost you. This, this is my first show that I had my own. I've had, I did a cigar booze show for a while. Right. Your mic is broke, Mike. Your mic is broke. Nobody hears you. There he is. There, now, now it's off. Now it's off. Yeah. It, it, it's your first show that you are the talker on. Yes, and I, I am the host myself. I'm not a, a, a cast member. I've I am been the listening host. to it. You're stealing my bits, basically. You're like you're a little bit, but you know, I steal Sean Hannity's and it, really Howard. It's Stern. all about stealing. I steal Howard. Stern. Stern. I mean, I'm basically, I have stolen everything I know about radio. I learned from Howard Stern and Sean Hannity. Same thing. Right. It's like, and look, I get it. His politics, John Hattie's politics are the polar opposite of mine, but he does do a pretty good radio show. It's very entertaining. Uh, you know, he's gone off the rails. All he cares about is Trump. But uh, I mean, could you imagine, let's just think about this for a minute. And I know we talked about this earlier. I'm going to just revisit it again for a second. Could you imagine Sean Hannity if Barack Obama was spitting on the grave of John McCain, like the president did over the weekend in his tirade. Could you imagine Sean Hannity would be calling for his impeachment? I I guarantee it. Uh, I might be supporting that because clearly somebody who's going to spit on the grave of a dead war hero, national icon like John McCain is insane. I mean, it's 25th Amendment time, if you ask me. I mean, this is, the, this is the kind of insane tirades that you do not expect from a president of the United States. You expect it from an insane person. So Sean Hannity would have gone berserk, as would, by the way, Democrats would have gone berserk. They would have been distancing themselves from it. And here, you know, Martha McSally sent out a sad tweet, uh, didn't directly mention the president. Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell... All sad tweets. Don't mention the president. The only person who stood up is the chair of the uh, only Republican who stood up is the Senate chair of uh, 
of Veterans Affairs. I'm dropping the guy's name right now, but he's the only one who stood up and actually called the president out for it. I, I don't understand how every Republican in this country, and I know I'm going back over old ground, I, I don't understand how every Republican in this country is not immediately calling for the president to apologize. Not only has he not apologized, he's doubled and tripled down on it. He's doubled and tripled down on his spitting on John McCain's grave. John McCain, a real true war hero. John McCain's personal Vietnam, Mr. President, was Vietnam. Your personal Vietnam was Studio 54 in the 80s, in the 70s. Uh, I'm appalled. I'm absolutely flabbergasted and appalled. I'm sure I won't be talking about this tonight on Laura Ingram's show because I know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the 2020 Democrats because they want to they want to do the ha, ha 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 ha. Look at the Democrats. They don't even have policies. Ha 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 ha. You know who used to do ha 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 ha. Look at the Republicans. They're all fighting with each other and they don't have policies. Me in 2016. I did the same thing. I remember talking about Donald Trump like it was a big joke. He doesn't have any policies, build a wall. What's he talking about? Get ready. Get ready, America. That's going to be the Republicans all year. But here's the little secret that they won't tell you. I don't really think the president's going to seek re-election. I really, I know I'm the only one saying it. I know he's raising money. I know he's doing campaign stuff. He's not saving any of that money, by the way. I mean, it, you know, he raised a hundred, over $100 million. He's got like $9 million in the bank. Beto O'Rourke raised $6 million on Monday. So, you know, go figure, Mr. President. But it, it is a, uh, it, 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 I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. And I hear like everybody saying, oh, he's going to run for re-election so he doesn't have to get prosecuted. Well, America, I, look, let me be very clear right now. 100% crystal clear. I don't care what... Uh, Cory Booker said, I don't care what Kamala Harris said. I don't care what Joe Biden says in the future. I don't care what any of the Democratic candidates say. When they become president of the United States in 2021, when they swear on the oath on the Bible to be president of the United States, none of them will seek to prosecute Donald Trump. Not one. And if the Justice Department should on its own decide to prosecute Donald Trump for something, the president of the United States, no matter what party that person's in, no matter who is president of the United States, will absolutely 100% pardon Donald Trump. Because there is nothing worse than something that seems to be like a political prosecution, like you're going after your political opponents, which is, by the way, why the president of the United States, who promised to look into Hillary Clinton's uh, emails when he became president, even said it during a debate, we're going to look into your affair when I become president. He threatened to prosecute her. Even he, probably the worst president we've ever had in the history of presidents, in the history of rulers around the world, at least the freely elected rulers around the world, the, 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 the worst person to ever hold that job, the man with the the, the, the biggest tin ear in politics has decided that that's a bridge too far for him. So you mean to tell me that a Democrat, you mean to tell me that if Joe Biden becomes president of the United States, he's going to reach out there and prosecute Donald Trump? Not going to happen. And Donald Trump knows that. And at some point in 20, I don't know, this year, 2019 or early 2020, there's going to be a poll out. And you're going to know, we're going to know by, you know, early 2020 who the top Democrat's going to be, whether it's Beto or Mayor Pete, who I happen to really like right now, or, or, or you know, or, or whoever. We're going to see the matchup between the president of the United States and, and the Democratic contenders. And we are going to see pretty clearly that those people are beating this man in Florida, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, maybe even in Ohio. 
and in Arizona and other places. And you're going to see him trailing miserably in the national polls. And he's going to say, why am I going to waste a year doing this? And he's going to leave. And let me tell you something. I'm going to make it very clear to this president every time I get a chance on his favorite TV channel that he has nothing to fear by leaving office. Nobody's going to prosecute him. Nobody's going to prosecute him. Should they prosecute him? Yeah, probably. He's probably done some crimes, but he's not going to get prosecuted. It's not going to happen. And if he's really worried about federal crimes with his kids, he could pardon them at the end of the year before he leaves office. But I am telling you right now, mark it, write it down, tweet at me if you want, at Christopher Hahn on Twitter, at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. The president of the United States absolutely 100% will not be prosecuted ever. Not going to happen. Doesn't matter what the Mueller report says. Doesn't matter. Maybe that makes him leave. Maybe it makes him leave quicker. Maybe it makes America realize how bad he is. But he's not going to be prosecuted. And I know that, I, I know when I say that, progressives go, what? You're like, uh. you know, they, they, they call me out on it. Look, my motto is to seek the truth, America. I'm the aggressive progressive. My motto is to seek the truth and tell the truth. I'm not running for office. I don't care if whiny little snowflakes don't vote for me. I don't care. I'm out here telling you what I see as the truth. And if you don't like it, there are other places to get your infotainment. But I'm going to tell you the truth as I see it every time I see it. And I am telling you right now, don't believe anything. Don't believe anybody that tells you that that they're going to allow the president of the United States to be prosecuted when they become president. First of all, they shouldn't even be saying that. They had now, and some of them have been smart. They said, I'm waiting for the Mueller report. We'll see what happens. And, you know, maybe he should be impeached when we get the Mueller report. I don't think it's going to happen because the Republicans won't remove him. So what's the point? But maybe he should, maybe we'll see the Mueller report. We'll all be so shocked. He'll be impeached. But the minute the guy leaves office and there's a Democrat there, it would be a bad look for them to be prosecuting them. Just like Donald Trump realized it would be a bad look for him to try to go after Hillary Clinton. Well, now look, Hillary Clinton's thing was a complete bogus nothing that these guys, you know, uh, you know, made up to scare you. And now the president's using an unsecure phone. Ridiculous. Anyway, Chris Hahn, at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, at Christopher Hahn. Don't forget, in about 50 minutes, I'm going to be on uh, Laura Ingram's show on Fox News. You can watch me there. I'll be on Tucker on Friday night. I don't know what's going on with Judge Janine. I know a lot of people have been asking me about Judge Janine the last uh, week. She wasn't on last week. Fox uh, appears to have suspended her. I don't have any formal understanding of knowledge of what's been going on with Judge Janine Pirro. So I know a lot of people have been tweeting at me saying, why aren't you defending her? Uh, look, I, I'm not going to defend what she said. She said, she said something that I completely disagreed with. And had I been on her show that night, I would have called her out for it. Uh, you know that, because that's what I would do. I, Judge Janine's been very good to me in my career. Okay, I, I happen to be friends with Judge Janine. I, I like her personally. Her politics over the last two years have gotten completely off the rails. And her support of Trump has been ridiculous. Now, the incident that got her suspended was not about Donald Trump. It was about wearing a hijab. And I'll say this, um, completely wrong. It's not anti-American to wear your religious garb. Uh, in fact, it's the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. Congress shall pass no laws uh, establishing a religion or preventing the free practice thereof. I'm paraphrasing. 
It's absolutely American. So if it's un-American to wear hijab, is it un-American to wear yarmulke? Or how about grow a beard? Or maybe shave your head if you're a Mooney or something. I don't know. People shave their head. There's some religion that shaves their head. Or, or, or whatever Mike does. I mean, what, I don't know what that beard's all about, man. I don't, I don't get it. Is it like, a, are you like the Jewish Santa Claus? Is that your thing? Oh, young, Jewish. young Jewish Santa Claus. He's got that red beard. Remember from the claymation? Like, what yeah. is that? Uh, I don't know. I just, I just like it. I just let it go one day. I just think that the weight's coming off, and I think that's like sometime in May, you're gonna be shaving that. thing. Well, I'm shaving actually in uh, in April for charity. So what's the charity? St. Baldrick's. Oh, I thought that was last week. It's like it goes on all week, but I talked to the person because I wasn't here. So ah, because like, he was down in Texas selling his Texas show and not selling my <laughs> show, just drive drive me crazy. <laughs> By the way, I have a big announcement about another project I'm working on very soon. So very uh, cool. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, look. So she was wrong. And I don't defend that. Now, I, I don't know that that's the worst. I mean, it. it I, I, look, I get it. Right after this attack in, in, in New Zealand and her having said that, you know, makes it tough for Fox to keep her on the air. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I know you guys are used to seeing me there on Saturday nights. I actually hadn't been on in a couple of weeks. She hadn't been doing the political panel. I don't know if the president got tired of seeing me. I don't know what the deal is. I haven't been on in a couple of weeks before this, but I had been planning on coming back. And now the show's gone. So I think it'll be back at some point. I know a lot of people have asked me about it. I know a lot of my liberal listeners don't like it, but they like seeing me on it. I think it of, of all the things I did on TV, it was the stuff that always went viral. It also got me more followers on Twitter and other social media uh, sites than anything else I did. Um, literally 150 every time I'd be on. So uh, I missed that. Uh, but it, it is what it is. I mean, she made a statement that was pretty outrageous and, uh, she's now paying the price for it. And, and, uh, you know, while I, I, I feel for her, I, I don't agree with that statement. It was a, it was not, not, not the right thing to say. And had I been on the air, I would have called her out for it. I would have called her out during the show. And, and that's one of the things I like about Fox. And I've been having this conversation a lot. One of the things I like about Fox is they do have guys like me on there who absolutely will call them out. And I do it all the time. I'll be doing it tonight to Laura Ingram at 10.50. So all you got to do is just stay up for like another hour or so. And I'll be there to uh, call her out uh, on whatever she's talking about tonight. I mean, I'm going to be driving home really quick, so I won't really know what she's talking about in the first 15 minutes of the show. I'm going to miss the first 15 minutes. But I will be home. I'll be in my studio, and I'll be doing my thing. Uh, at Christopher Hahn on Twitter, at Christopher Hahn. By the way, Mike, I, I noticed that they fixed the clock or, or, or daylight savings time came and now the clock is right in my studio. <laughs> it's got to be right sometime, right? <laughs> the clock. For those of you who aren't regular listeners of Chris Hahn show, all winter I have been discussing the clock in my studio not being the right time because they never adjusted it for standard time. And now that we're back to daylight savings time, it has been adjusted or actually not adjusted. The world adjusted so that my clock can now show the appropriate time on the wall. It's the JVC way. Yeah, baby. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm this national guy that comes into this studio. The, the only national guy. Right? I don't think like, I don't think Tom Shalero is a regular on national television. How about Jay Oliver, who I'll be debating in three weeks about legalized marijuana, which, by the way, won't be happening in New York this year. Sorry, Mike. I, I, I know you were looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it as well. I'm not a, I'm not a pot smoker. You know that. 
but uh, but Chilero, uh, 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 Jay Oliver, and I will be uh, will be debating. I think it's March nineteenth. I can't remember the date. I said it last week. I'll say it again. It's coming up. It'll be it'll be widely advertised on JVC stations. So, um, but it it is it, look. Uh, I, I'm happy that I now have a clock that tells the right time. I'm also happy that winter's over. Even though it wasn't really that bad of a winter, it wasn't that bad. It was really cold. Not that cold. This was nowhere near last year. Yes, it was. No, last so. year we had the polar vortex for like a week, and it was like negative ten. We yeah, had we none had of that. that. We, we had, had that. none of that this year. Uh, the, uh, there was we not, had the the week in February. Or I, I got to tell you, I ran outside every single week yeah. in the winter. Mm-hmm. There was never more than like a two or three day where you were like, all right, too cold to run outside. I really think the only day I couldn't run outside on a weekend was Martin Luther King weekend. Uh, and only on that Monday, it was like, it was like six degrees. I went to the gym. I ran on the treadmill in the gym, but it was, it, it's, it, I think most of the winter here in New York has been relatively mild. We had no snow. I mean, we, we, I, I, I used my snowblower once the entire winter. And I shouldn't have even done it. Yeah, I don't think I even used one. I didn't even have to do it because it was melted the next day. Exactly. So it's it's a we had a very mild winter. Uh, you know, I, I'm not gonna. I only have a few minutes left, so I'm not gonna go on a global warming tear. Uh, but it's got to be called climate change because if it's not called climate change, then you know, on a on a on a cold day in the winter, I got I got to deal with Sean Hannity talking about it's cold in the winter. Why are we talking about climate change? That's my rush, I think. But it but it's over. Winter's over. Spring is coming. Time for renewal, America. Time for us to, you know, refresh our thoughts. Time for us to think critically about things. Time for us to start getting ready for for campaigns, for local offices in some states that may be listening to me uh, in uh, statewide offices like in New Jersey. Time for us to really start asking tough questions of people who represent us. And for us to start paying attention again. I know we were all hunkered down. A lot of good stuff on Netflix. Umbrella Academy. I highly recommend it. Uh, you know, I know we all hunkered down all the winter. But now it's time to come out of our shells. And more importantly, come out of our bubbles. And, and one of the things I've been saying over and over again to my friends running for president from the left. Is that uh, don't be afraid to go talk to people who you think you shouldn't be talking to. People in states like Alabama and Mississippi and Missouri and Indiana who may or may not necessarily be your cup of tea. I think it's I think we need to start talking to everybody. I think I think you need to talk to people you disagree with, America. If you're listening to me tonight and you only listen to me because you catch me on conservative station, which is where I mostly am, I, I need you to to start talking to people who don't agree with you. And listening to more progressive voices. And if you're a progressive who listens to me, take an hour a day and talk to somebody who you disagree with. Take an hour a day and watch Fox News. I'm not saying you got to watch Sean or anything in prime time, but take an hour a day and watch Fox during the day where they have some decent conservatives come on to debate. And get out of your, get out of your bubble. Spring has sprung, America. Time for us to come out of our shells Time for us to interact with each other. Time for us to get out there and work. All right. I want to thank you all for listening to me tonight. And I want to remind you all to seek the truth. 
question everything and question everyone, America, even me, but especially people asking you for their vote. Seek the truth, America. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look hard enough. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening, America. Wish our weekdays away, spend our weekends in bed. We drink ourselves stupid and work ourselves dead and all just because that's what mom and dad said we should do. We should run through the forests, we should swim in the streams, we should laugh, we should cry, we should love, we should dream, we should stare at the stars and not just at screens, you should... Chris Hahn Show podcast is recorded live at 103.9 FM in New York at Long Island News Radio. This podcast was sent to Face Off Unlimited headquarters in Astoria, Queens, and was edited by Joe Tex. Executive producers are Joe Tex, Jay Painter, and Eric Robinson. FOU Studios is a property of Face Off Unlimited, LLC. I'm Peter Hargarden, the senior producer of podcasts here, and on behalf of everyone who worked on the show, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Subscribe to catch all of our other podcasts here on the FOU Studios Podcast Network. To learn more about Chris and to find out about his upcoming television appearances, follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hahn and at ChristopherHahn.com. To learn more about FOU, connect with us via social media at FOU Studios and visit us at FOUStudios.com.